Hey everybody, it's Daniel Kuman here. It's my first podcast on Substack and I wanted to talk about basically the theme of the podcast, which is writing and directing inspiring stories. And I know that there's a lot of storytellers out there. There's a lot of creatives out there. Some of you that are listening maybe haven't seen yourself as all that creative, but there's something inside of you, like a seed maybe that's been planted where you know it's about to um, to grow or to bloom or to turn into something. And I, I want to really um, water those seeds or shine a little light on those seeds so that they can germinate a little more and just share a little bit about my story. Uh, my brothers and I have a studio called Unveil Studios, and we've started a new streaming platform called Unveil TV, which you can check out at unveiltv.com to find all of our films and all of our content. But it started for us back in, actually for me, it was in high school, 2003, and a teacher had challenged me and said, if there's one career you should never do, it's to become a filmmaker. And we were talking about that in the context of the Lord of the Rings series, which was coming out in the early 2000s. And it's one of my favorite series ever created by Peter Jackson. And the whole uh, story, if you've watched the behind the scenes on the Lord of the Rings series, it's just like a film school in a box. And I was able to have the privilege of watching that through high school and getting really inspired. And when my teacher said, if there's one thing you should never do, it's to start... Uh, becoming a film director, it kind of was a light bulb moment for me. And I know there was a seed already planted because my parents, when I was a kid, did a film. It was actually totally out of the blue. But I think God spoke to them about doing a film about 1 Corinthians 13, which is that famous chapter in the Bible about love. And um, you may have heard it at many weddings or different events, but um, the greatest of these is love chapter. And they did a film on that. And I think that planted a seed when I was storyboarding as a kid they they had us draw pictures and as brothers we all kind of storyboarded a few scenes for that and it ended up being a a powerful short film that they made probably when i was in like i don't know maybe grade six or something like that so i think that was one of the seeds that was planted in me but each of us have seeds of creativity that are us and oh i better turn off those notifications otherwise you're going to hear those but um yeah, each of us have seeds planted in us. And I think that um, creativity is the ability to solve any problem. That's that's how I've defined it over the years is creativity is not just for the arts. It's for every sphere that any of us find ourselves, whether that's career, family, church, life, whatever your life looks like. Creativity is a necessity and creativity is the ability to solve problems. And I think that that comes from whether it's just ideas that you can get in your imagination or ideas that God might place inside of you. Um, creativity is active and writing and directing inspiring stories comes down to ultimately this idea of creativity and wanting to find something that will make an audience think, that will make an audience engage. Because the first thing you have to do with any story that you're writing, and, and again, I want to really make it clear that it's, this doesn't just apply to like writing a film script or a novel or writing a nonfiction book. It, this applies to everything in life. What story are you writing? What story are you directing in your life? It could literally be as a mom or a dad directing your family. It could literally be as um, someone that has a leadership role at work what what story are you writing what story are you directing and um, it goes back even for um, myself with my wife christy we have two kids and uh, one very uh, i would say shaping moment that we had was we um, we were in the stage of of we were pregnant with our first um, rosie who's now four and a half 
and we were starting to look at all of the things that new parents have to you know look at and think about and it's a huge huge thing to venture into parenthood and one amazing line that a friend had said to us was make sure that you write your own story on parenthood and that's a really cool thought is like parenthood is a story that you're writing parenthood is a story you're directing and you're you're writing and directing an inspiring story if you really choose to make that a story that is fulfilling and uplifting and that is creating a beautiful and successful life um and you know of course there's going to be bumps along the way but to to commit that and one of my favorite verses in the bible is from proverbs 16 where it says commit whatever you do to the lord and your plans will succeed it's like if you will commit the plan that you're directing or writing to the Lord. And again, this applies to life, not just to stories. But if you'll commit that to the Lord, your plan will succeed. That's what the Bible says. And I want to just share, um, I'm actually going to read an excerpt from the first chapter of the first book that I've written called Breath of Life. And I want to use it as an example of how you can write or direct a inspiring story. The first little clue or nugget or um, kind of idea is to stir the imagination. How do, you, how do you write and direct an inspiring story? Well, I think step one is you have to stir the imagination. And probably the best way to do that for an audience, if, if now we're shifting to an actual story that's being written, um, this is an actual book I wrote, which is also a movie series. So there's the writing and directing aspect to it in terms of a story and a film is you have to stir the imagination. And one of the ways that you can do that is by actually engaging your own imagination. Like if you as the storyteller can be sucked into the uniqueness of the story you're telling, if you can be drawn into it and engage your own imagination, then it's almost certain to engage the imagination of your audience. And so rather than trying to like, oh, how am I going to get people to love this? How am I going to get people to engage with this? Rather than trying to go after kind of like the rat race of, of pleasing an audience, which as we, many of us film buffs might understand when people and filmmakers and studios especially try to do this, it almost always backfires. It's like those films where they brought in the committee and then you had your producers that weren't even involved on the film shoot that come and like try to rejig everything. And especially the executive producer comes around the table and says, oh, we have to do this to serve this audience. And at the end of the day, it can strip away all of the actual unique creativity of a project or of a story if a committee sits around a table and tries to nitpick and change it when it's not actually the original vision. And probably the filmmaker or the, the writer or you know whoever was involved in the key creative roles of a project, they had a vision that did engage the imagination, but when you pull away key elements, all of a sudden it falls apart like a house of cards, right? So one of the ways that I believe we can engage people in to an inspiring story or even just a, a story that grips them is to engage their imagination, which we do by engaging our own imagination. And the way that I did this in the Breath of Life series and in the book was I had this like amazing revelation where I felt like God just like took me. If, if you haven't read the book or seen the series, the, the nutshell version is that I was leading t teams to Tanzania in Africa. And I'd been on about uh, almost a dozen of them and was kind of like losing a bit of that initial upstart excitement of doing something because it's like now it's like you're just doing it over and over again. And we were doing these incredible missions and we'd built houses for families in Africa. And it was very satisfying work, but I still needed like a breath of fresh air in order to continue to do it. And I think 
whether you're doing missions or church or family or life, whatever it is, we constantly need to be refreshed. And it says, even in God's word, like we've got to encourage one another regularly. And so one of the ways I would do that is before a trip, I would ask God for a word of direction for myself and for the team that I was leading. And I did this on, I guess this was about 2019. And I asked God for a word for this next missions trip to Tanzania. And he literally gave me one word, which was, you know, I didn't ask for a sentence. I asked for a word. And I heard like the audible whisper of God in my ear. I don't know if anyone's ever had this, but like a lot of times if I ever was meditating in prayer or reading God's word, I would experience God's presence as many might understand what I'm talking about. If you've had that in your life, whether that be in prayer or in the Bible, or maybe at a worship service or just any quiet time, some people, you know, have their quiet time and they really experience God's presence. I have that as well, but this was like an audible whisper in my ear and I asked for this word and it was breath. I heard like God whisper breath into my ear and it kind of gives me chills just even thinking about it now. But then as I just thought like, what, is, what are you talking about here, God? Like, what is this thing about breath? The first thing I thought of was that moment, that scene, that sequence, if you will, in Genesis when after making all of the planets and the universe and just shaping the earth and putting all of this stuff into calling it into being, he enters the intimacy of the garden and he shapes humanity with his hands. And I saw the moment in the garden of Eden where he holds Adam in his hands. And it's like with love that hasn't been seen since the creation of the world. And he holds him close as the intimacy of a kiss, as he holds him in his hands in front of his face and Adam, who's been sculpted by Almighty God, is not yet alive, even though God has made him. He's actually basically dead, if you will. He doesn't have a spirit. He's, he's a body with no spirit or soul. And then God, whose name is Yahweh, inhales breath. And he breathes the sound of his name, Yahweh, onto Adam's face. This is the moment where Adam becomes a living soul. The Bible says he becomes a living being. Adam becomes alive. And all of a sudden, my imagination was gripped by this story of the Garden of Eden, where God creates Adam and Eve. And it's such an intimate and beautiful moment where God creates humanity. And this was the beginning for me of what became this book and the series Breath of Life, because I felt like once I saw that and started to like study it and unpack the Hebrew words that were in this Genesis account... I could not shake it. I could not get rid of it. I couldn't even go to bed without thinking about it. And that's that's another thing. And, you know, I talked about in getting your imagination to be sort of triggered is like you really can get your imagination triggered if you look to the things that interest you. The Bible and the stories in the Bible have always been like the number one thing that has like intrigued me <laughs> because these are such incredible stories and they all point to something beautiful. And the, the masterpiece of scripture has always just overwhelmed me. And so that's, that's a trigger point for my imagination to enter in and just be like, man, like what is going on in these stories? And to then dig into like, I I'm, I'm a bit of a wordsmith and I love studying all of the Hebrew words and all of the, the um, what's the word? etymology. I love looking into all of these different roots of, especially in the Old Testament Hebrew. It is absolutely fascinating because I say that any Hebrew word is about seven layers deep. I find the English language is lacking in many ways, but the Hebrew language is just so rich and so textured and so deep that when you start to unpack it, it just actually blows your mind. And so 
that was a way that I knew, man, if I talk about this, I know that it triggers my imagination. I know that it stirs my imagination. So if that's happening for me, then if I talk about that and I share my passion about that, then other people are going to be drawn in. And that's how you start to write or direct an inspiring story is you have to get engaged and intrigued. So before I read this excerpt, just a couple last thoughts is how do you do that then outside of say film and story? Well, in your parenting, what is it that you know gets you excited that you can then share that inspiration or that excitement or that creativity, that thing that stirs you? How can you share that with your kids or your, your spouse? How can you share that with your relatives? Because if, if you're really gripped by something and passionate about something and you begin to unpack that with other people, they're going to get drawn into your excitement. They're going to get drawn into your passion. And so look for those things that you're interested and passionate about. Of course, you don't want to do it so heavily that people are like, oh man, here he goes again. He's talking about his, you know, his writing and directing again. You don't want to do it to such an extent that, you know, you make people tired of it. But what you want to do is engage people on that subject and see how it relates to them. You don't always want to talk about yourself. You want to engage them in conversation. Like, does this apply to you? Have you thought about this? Like, make it make it like a coaching session where you're inviting them into the process because you'll actually get more out of that than trying to just tell people and, and just almost belittle them with the knowledge that you have. Not at all. You don't want to do that. You want to engage them on the subject and bring them in and see if they have ideas to add. See if they have been inspired in the same ways that you have. See if there's some other aspects that they will actually spark. Because again, it's like that picture of the seed and they're going to water that seed. They're going to put a little bit of sunlight on that so that it will grow, right? That's photosynthesis is you want to find that synthesis with other people where they're engaging in conversation and connecting with what you're sharing. And um, I found this to be a incredible way to even literally write and direct different stories is to just engage people on a subject and see how they've thought about it. See if they have a bit of a revelation on it. See if it's something that they've, you know, thought about as well, because you'll get so many nuggets out of that. So many, um, so many new inspirations yourself. So I want to close this first episode by just giving an example from chapter one of breath of life about how I just really ultimately share a little bit of my own imagination sort of of imagining the Garden of Eden. It's kind of like what I was doing for myself, but then I'm inviting the reader, the audience into this imagination. And let's just see if, um, if it has any inspiration for you as you look at this first sort of nugget of truth around writing and directing an inspiring story is to engage the imagination. So this is chapter one of The Breath of Life, and I'll close out this first episode with this short chapter. It's only about a few minute read. Chapter one is called Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God. The verse reference is Genesis one, verses one and two, which is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I have to take a sip of coffee before I read this. It says, imagine you are in a vast, dimly lit chamber. Through the darkness, you make out the faint outline of a massive painter's canvas, completely blank. You walk toward it with a strong desire to create. Dense fog envelops you until you reach the canvas. As you think about your need for paint and supplies, dozens of fresh paint colors appear beside you. A light, fine-tip paintbrush is now in your hand. 
It feels right to you, and you know exactly how to use it. The mood would be better with music. You begin to hear the strings and swells from a full orchestra filling the chamber. The acoustics are fantastic in here. Now you feel charged and even more creative as the sound and the space and new melodies sweep over you. Your hand reaches effortlessly toward the first paint color, dipping into a glossy yellow as your mouth takes over. Let there be light. A sun forms on the canvas. The darkness of that place is separated by the piercing warm light of the sun. The pace of the music gains intensity and your creativity flows all the more effortlessly. The paintbrush is no longer in your hand, but it still paints the canvas all the same, so long as you continue speaking. Your words become substance the moment they leave your mouth, coming to life on the painting, and the words themselves multiply into creative expressions all their own. Let dry ground appear. Suddenly, excuse me, suddenly sand becomes beaches and beaches make way for rocks and rocks turn into mountains. Looking at the once blank canvas, you begin to smile because what you see is so beautiful. And it is good. The canvas begins to fill from one corner to the other. As you exhale with a sigh of deep satisfaction, a star comes out of your mouth and moving into orbit, it becomes indescribably massive. Planets and moons and entire galaxies begin to explode onto the canvas, and as they do, the canvas itself begins to expand and become multidimensional. The chamber you are standing in now begins to fill up with birds, creatures of all kinds, and wild animals innumerable. So that's the opening section of the chapter, and I'll finish the chapter in a moment, but all I'm kind of doing is explaining a little bit of my own meditation and imagination of the beginning of creation something that I was absorbed by, something that always thrilled me even as a kid as I heard the creation story. I'm imagining it in my own thoughts, in my own imagination. And because I'm engaged, I've had other people reach out to me and say, man, I love the way you open these chapters. I love the creativity or your imagination. And that is the fruit right there of sharing something that is gripping to me in my own personal imagination that will bring other people and and it will spark other people's imaginations because if it worked for me, it'll work for other people. So I'll finish the chapter, which now shifts away from kind of this creative visual over to a bit more of a teaching kind of an angle. Our first introduction to the God of all creation and mankind is as spirit hovering over a vast ocean, looking at a blank canvas. While the earth is without form and void of life, we find our creator in the preparation phase undaunted, like a painter ready to begin a masterpiece. But before a stroke of paint hits the canvas, there is a period of brooding, of planning and preparation. In Genesis 1 verse 2, we are introduced to this spirit. In the original language, the spirit of God translates into English as Ruach Elohim. As you unpack the original language used by the author of Genesis, layers of meaning begin to add depth to the narrative. For example, The word hovering describes Ruach Elohim as being in a state of soft relaxation while gently dancing over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God is described to be in a restful state. It's almost as if the longer Ruach Elohim waits, the more the energy builds, waiting for that explosive moment when creation itself will respond to God's voice. From this place of restful relaxation, the Spirit of God is hovering with immense energy and getting ready to breathe. Ruach Elohim is also described as the giver of breath, the giver of spirits. A Hebrew scholar explains the meaning of Ruach Elohim's name this way. 
He is the breath of God which disperses his life force, his energy, and his intentions, his mind. Ruach Elohim is Yahweh's spirit, Yahweh's breath. When God whispered breath to me before an annual mission to Tanzania, Africa in 2019, a deep desire grew within me to understand the word and its context in Genesis more clearly. To have a deeper understanding of breath in scripture, I needed to know the original Hebrew wording and translation better which meant diving into the language and reading the biblical text with the English beside the Hebrew. Over the course of several months of study, I was stunned by the new layers of meaning and wordplay, but most of all I was taken deeper into the realm of God's creativity, as the story came alive like never before. The first thing I found is that breath in scripture is directly connected to the word or meaning for spirit. That's because when the Hebrew word ruach is used, it means both spirit and breath. But it means a lot more than that. Hebrew is a colorful language that has characters or pictures that represent each word, adding layers of meaning on top of layers of revelation. As the English saying goes, a picture is worth a thousand words. In this case, that is especially true since Ruach is not simply spirit or breath in their essence, but rather the power encountered within the spirit or breath. Therefore, in the beginning of Genesis, Ruach is not only spirit and breath, It is also the essence of the Almighty, pointing to Ruach Elohim as God who is spirit and the giver of breath. From his position of restful, hovering creativity, Ruach Elohim begins to create a perfect order. And it was very good. And so Ruach Elohim arrays the heavens and earth with splendor. Ruach Elohim begins to speak into existence immensely complex creativity from which all of physics, science, and mathematics find their root. Here's an example from God's creation that still gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. I'm just going to take a sip of coffee here. The magnificent Hubble Space Telescope provided the image shown above. You can't see it, but it's an incredible picture from Hubble with what looks like uh, about a thousand little dots in it that are just, um, well, you'll see in a second. Ambrostron, an astrophysicist, explained that recently Hubble had been pointing for days into what they called an empty black patch of nothingness. It was then that they appeared, pointing Hubble into a dark void of space. They discovered hundreds of billions of never-before-seen galaxies. Not hundreds of billions of never-before-seen stars, but galaxies. Inside a typical galaxy like the Milky Way is an estimated 100 billion stars. The conclusion of this particular discovery was that there are more stars in the universe than all the grains of sand on the Earth's beaches. The discovery led astronomers to update their estimate of galaxies in the universe from 170 billion to 2 trillion. Not 2 trillion stars, but 2 trillion galaxies each with billions of stars and numerous moons, planets, and heavenly bodies inside of them. What an unfathomably incredible and awesome creation. But this is far from the most extravagant revelation. In the narrative of scripture, you can almost breeze over the immensity of Ruach Elohim's creativity, because the writers of Genesis, Job, the psalmist, and later other biblical writers state these parts of creation in such a matter-of-fact way. For example, Psalm 33, 6, which says it was all made by the breath of his mouth. The wonder of our universe, the planets, the heavens, and the stars will continue to baffle humanity year after year as we unpack more of their mystery. 
Yet in all its extravagance, the universe is not the part of creation to be most marveled at. For there was a far more stunning creation which God had not yet revealed. Indeed, the universe was crowned with glory and filled with wonder by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then they created their masterpiece. So that's a little excerpt from Breath of Life. If you want to pick up the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, it's available at all retailers, uh, Breath of Life. But I'll be unpacking a little bit uh, more of the chapters throughout these podcasts and also sharing about the series, which is based off of the book and um, talking more about this concept of writing and directing inspiring stories. If you have been hearing a little bit of farm noise, there's particularly a loud sheep on this recording, particularly the part where I'm reading from the book. I am on a farm. Uh, my brother and I have a studio, Unveil Studios. We're based on a farm right now in our um, home-based office. And so you may on occasion hear a chicken, a sheep, or maybe even a child chasing one of the above. But um, the beauty of it is that we have an awesome studio and set up here. And uh, I guess uh, maybe we should think about soundproofing, but maybe you like the sound of the farm in the background. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this first episode of um, the podcast, Writing and Directing Inspiring Stories. And thanks for listening. We'll talk soon.